runasradio.com. You're listening to Run As Radio, the internet audio talk show for IT professionals with Richard Campbell and Greg Hughes. This is Brandon Wen announcing show number 222 with guest James Bannon, recorded Saturday, July 2nd, 2011. Run As Radio is produced each week by Quap Productions, providing professional media and podcasting services online at pwop.com. You can follow the boys on Twitter at twitter.com slash runasradio. Thank you, Brandon. This is Richard Campbell. You're listening to Run As Radio. I'm on the line with James Bannon, all the way from Australia. Welcome, James. Thank you, Richard. Pleasure to be with you. And I have a little bio here. An MVP, an IT consultant from Melbourne, Australia, specializing in Microsoft technologies, especially deployment and virtualization. And you're going to be talking a little configuration manager 2012 at uh, TechEd Australia New Zealand. Yeah, that's right. Um, I've been I've been working with um, the beta 2 of uh, Config Manager 2012 for a while now and presenting on that at uh, a couple of user groups and Microsoft Schools Roadshow, which was done in Australia recently. And, um, yeah, people and customers don't get pretty excited about some of the new features in Config Manager. Um, some of them had actually not been exposed to Config Manager at all. So it was a bit overwhelming for them to be first introduced to 2007 and then to be told how 2012 is going to rock their world even more. And I think maybe we need to start at the beginning on this. So what is Configuration yeah. Manager's role in the System Center universe? Okay, so Configuration Manager gives you full um, centralized management and automation over your fleet. So that's your fleet of workstations and servers. Now, that's everything from um, operating system deployment and configuration uh, patch management, application deployment. Um, when it comes to workstations, it can also automate backup and restore, so the, the re-imaging cycle as well. Okay. Um, and with the introduction of uh, Forefront Endpoint Protection 2010, um, and this carries across into 2012 as well, uh, Config Manager is now also the hub, if you like, for the AV health of your environment too. So it's the central point by which you push out the um, antivirus agents, updates, um, and policies. So this is a product line that started back with the old SMS, is just the tool for pushing software onto to workstations and servers. Yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, it's where it all started. Um, it's obviously a lot of, it's a much richer environment now. Mm-hmm. Um, as with most products in the Microsoft stack, the uh, the back end of it is becoming more and more exposed by PowerShell, right? And it's starting to integrate a lot more across other products as well. So, for example, Config Manager integrates very tightly with Operations Manager um, because all of the products have very active reporting. Um, so, if you're an, an administrator or an IT manager, you can use tools like Config Manager to pull up um, reports about the health of your environment, see which of your workstations and servers um, have, have been patched or needs to be patched. And you can also use that information to develop baseline compliance. Mm-hmm. So you can say, okay, um, I want all my workstations to have at least this many patches. The antivirus can't be out of date by more than a week. 
um, and you can enforce that across your entire environment and leveraging off other technologies like network access uh, protection, NAP, in um, Service 2008 and 2008 R2, you can actually make your, um, your entire network sort of um, self-protecting, if you like. So the workstation comes online, um, Config Manager checks it out, it understands that it's actually out of com- compliance, and so it isolates it on the network. And um, so it gives the, that workstation and that user the opportunity to, to come back into com- compliance while minimizing impact on the rest of the fleet. So the is Config Manager really the starting point in System Center? Is this the first product you want to install and get working with? It depends, really. Um, as with most System Center products, Config Manager has a very open framework. It doesn't tell you what you should do. It just tells you what you can do. And what you can do is pretty much anything at all. I would say that Config Manager is not necessarily the starting point. If you're interested in deployment and management, then the starting point is free tools like the um, the Windows Automated Installation Kit and Microsoft Deployment Toolkit. They sort of set the scene for what's to come with Config Manager. Now, Config Manager obviously takes it to um, a level that is exponentially higher. Um, but really, when you're looking at the system center suite as a whole, you really need to assess what is it that you're actually trying to do. Are you trying to um, manage your your VMs, in which case for virtual machine manager is probably where you want to be. Um, do you want to get active monitoring of your servers and switches, um, in which case it's, it's operations manager. Do you want automation? Config manager. Um, do you want to back up everything? Then it's uh, data protection manager. Um, System Center Essentials is probably a good product to look at if you're not sure where to start. But I think there's a there's a very important point here that if you're already working with with MDT, that all carries across into Config Manager. So it's not like you've gone down the wrong path with a free tool. Not at all. No, um, MDT integrates perfectly into Config Manager. So by default, the feature set which is available in Config Manager doesn't cross over to MDT. What it does is actually um, if you if you install put the lake and MDT first and then Config Manager, you can then integrate all the work that you've done with MDT into Config Manager. So all your images, um, applications, patch management and so on, all of that that flows through. So it, it certainly isn't a wasted effort. Um, what's good to know actually is that that's actually exactly the same but, um, as the migration path between 2007 and 2012. Um, a lot of a lot of products, uh, the upgrade path is chuck in the ISO and install over the top and right. pray that it works. Um, 2012 doesn't actually work like that at all. You install um, a completely separate 2012 infrastructure side by side to the 2007 one. The infrastructure you need is, is exactly the same. Um, and then you basically point your 2012 system at the 2007 system and you say, okay, I want all the information that, that that's in there, bring it over. And you you allow that um, to run through a sequence of automated tasks over time. So you keep using your 2007 system. And then over time, your 2012 
system knows everything that your 2007 system does. Interesting. So you have loads of time to make sure that the architecture is right, that your environment is right, and then when the, the time comes to switch it across, uninstall the 2007 agent, install the 2012 agent. That's pretty much it. So I guess that sort of brings us to this idea of what's the difference between 2007 and 2012, besides the fact they can live side by side. 2007 feels uh, not legacy. It certainly isn't legacy or plainly stretched imagination. Right. It has certain. It has a certain feel about it that um, harks back to its SMS roots. Um, 2012 is infinitely more streamlined than 2007. The architecture is a lot simpler. Um, what you tend to find is that 2012 is, I guess, a lot more forward-looking than 2007 is. You would expect that, of course. Right. But what I guess a limitation with Config Manager 2007 is that because it's such an open framework, it's quite difficult at times for administrators to use it to cater for certain um, workflows to um, support certain business models. 2007 is very much about the workstation, whether that's a laptop or a desktop or a server. It's less about the user. Right. And that can make it quite hard for administrators who need to um, who need to deploy updates or applications to users rather than to workstations. It's, it's possible, but you need to get very, very um, uh, creative, shall we say, with your scripting and with your uh, with your collections as well. 2012 actually makes a bit of a quantum shift in the sense of it actually treats users exactly the same as it treats workstations. It makes no distinction between their uh, relative importance in the world of, of config manager. But what do you config as in context of a user versus in the context of a of a machine? Okay, let's say um, here's an here's an excellent example. So imagine the scenario where you have a user who's who's been assigned a laptop by the organization. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not one that they need to share, so it's allocated to them, and they're the uh, primary user and probably the only user. Right. Now, if you have a number of users like that, and you need to push an application out to them, it makes sense to target those workstations um, and push the application out. But then you discover that that particular user, in addition to logging onto their own laptop, also logs onto a number of other computers in the organization. They, they're like um, just public access um, machines, for, for argument's sake. Right. They still need, they still need that application. Say, say it's a financial package or it's a sales, um, uh, sales CRM, something along those lines. It's an important one for them and they need access to it. That changes the model under which that application needs to be deployed. Are you going to say as an administrator, okay, we've deployed it to your laptop, that's, that's fine, and now we need to, to deploy it to every single other computer you may conceivably log on to. That's what people generally need to do at this point in time. Or you deploy it to the user, but that, that means every single computer that that user logs on to, they're going to get an MSI install, and so they're going to have um, thick client installations following them around. <laughs> it's slow, um, messy, and you're installing software that you don't necessarily need to install. Right. Now, where 2012 comes on board, it recognizes that that is an issue. So it introduces a number of new ideas 
it says, okay, I will recognize your laptop as your primary workstation. So the, so the idea of a primary workstation is something which doesn't exist in 2007. Okay. Um, 2012 actually comes along and says, okay, either because the administrator has told me or the user has told me or because I've looked at who spends the most time logged on, I'm going to allocate that to you as a primary workstation. You can then do an MSI deployment or an XE or whatever it is, and you can say, okay, I want to push it out to these groups of users, but only when they're logged on to a primary workstation. Right. But you can then say, as, and as a secondary backup, I'm going to make that application available, say, via AppV, and everywhere else that they log on to, they will have access to it via AppV, so that you don't have that problem of loads and loads of MSIs being spooled around. You don't have to push applications out to workstations where they may or may not be needed, but the user still has access to the applications and the software that they need when they need it. That's called um, user device affinity in 2012. Okay, so user device affinity is this idea that there are certain devices that are close to that user. It, it can be more than one, or is it one? It can be more than one. Okay. So, say a user has two laptops, or a laptop and a, a, a PC. Absolutely more than one. Okay. No problem there at all. That's that's interesting, and, and the fact that it'll change its deployment model depending on what machine you're using. Exactly. So, when you deploy an, an application in a 2012 environment, you, you can specify multiple deployment types. And what the 2012 agent does is that it looks at those exactly the same as if it was a packet traversing an, a um, TMG firewall rule. It looks for the rule which matches and then acts upon it appropriately. Nice. So if, if a user logs on to a workstation which is not theirs, they have access to that application because it's pushed to them as a user. But the agent is going to look at it and say, okay, is this the user's primary workstation? No, it's not. But they still have access to it. Is there anything else available? Yes, they right, they have access to that, and then it's done. How does this impact roving profiles? Roaming profiles, it basically has no impact. Um, roaming profiles are treated exactly the same. Okay. So the roaming profile in that context is really just um, user state virtualization. Right. So the profile itself simply exists somewhere else rather than on the local workstation. Um, but even with the roaming profile, there's still um, the workstation is still aware of who's logged on. Um, so the agent doesn't look at the location of the, the um, profile. Uh, it's looking at security IDs and all the rest of it, which is still local. Um, so that doesn't impact on the user experience because the user's roaming profile is still roaming and they can log on anywhere they need to. So that it, it, it's separate. It doesn't actually impact it. But okay. a user with a roaming profile will still have access to all of that functionality. And how much of uh, this ability to have primary and secondary workstation and the different deployment models depend on network access protection? How do you? How does... SCCM get involved? SCCM gets involved in a couple of ways. It's separate from NAP. So NAP is really only when you're starting to look at um, compliance, so security and config compliance. But NAP comes in at the DHCP level, right? So it's when a machine first starts up, tries yeah. to connect to the network, It NAP is really affecting what IP it gets issued and what it has access to. Exactly, yeah. Um, so that, that, that all comes on board before... UDA really comes into operation. UDA? Um, user device affinity. Okay. 
So when so is we, there something installed on the workstation that invokes UDA? Like how does that piece get started? Yeah, so so it's part of the config manager agent, okay. which is installed on on every workstation managed by the config manager site. Great. Um, the settings for UDA are controlled centrally mm-hmm. and can be modified um, to suit different scenarios and then pumped out to to um, individual collections. So say if you have workstations which are never going to have a a um, primary user, then you can exclude them from a default config, if you like. Right, yeah. So this idea of kiosk workstations, essentially. Everybody's equal on that machine. Exactly. Okay. Yep, exactly. So um, there are three ways in which Config Manager can become aware of a primary user. The first one is that the administrator actually jumps onto the Config Manager console, finds either the user or the workstation, and manually allocates them a primary workstation. You can also do that by um, importing a CSV file as well. So if you've got um, 100 users, say, for, for argument's sake, and you know their workstation names, it's uh, simple enough to to, um, to rip up a spreadsheet and to import everything. So that's method one. Method two is that in Config Manager 2012, Users, because they are treated at the same level as workstations, that gives them a certain ability to have, um, how do I put it, a certain level of control over what they can do within Config Manager. So users actually have a certain degree, they, they have an active um, relationship, if you like, with Config Manager, which sounds scary, but you can lock it down as much as needs be. But one of the nice things is that a user can simply open up a self-service page, which right. is um, it's a web component of um, Config Manager 2012, and there's a little checkbox and says, I use this workstation as a as a primary workstation. That's it. It's going to um, jump back by the agent and, and um, essentially be allocated in Config Manager. So that's option two. Option three is that the Config Manager agent will simply actively monitor the workstation. Say, okay, I've noticed that this particular user has been logged on for a certain threshold. They they use it for five days in a row and they use it between the hours of nine and five. I'm going to make the assumption that this user is the primary user of this workstation and then it automatically allocates it. Now, obviously, the Config Manager Administrator has um, can, can change the threshold or can actually change it so that that does not occur, but that's the third option. So either administrator-driven, user-driven, or Config Manager-driven. Interesting. Yeah, every choice imaginable there. Pretty much, yes. As I said, it's a very open framework, which can make it a bit non-intuitive. Um, it's, a, it's certainly not a wizard-driven environment. And it obviously takes some time to get used to this. Is there a specific relationship between Config Manager and the new version of Virtual Machine Manager as well? Um, less so. Less so. They can um, draw on the same resources. Right. So uh, Virtual Machine Manager is far more aware of the overall environment. It, um, I guess uh, Virtual Machine Manager, was it 2008 R2, only really cared about itself. And maybe if you had a vSphere um, service operational as well, uh, it cared about that. Um, VMM 2012 cares about other things like Pixie servers and update servers. So from that perspective, so does Config Manager because um, the Pixie server in your environment is likely to be the Config Manager server. 
and the Windows Update server is going to be referenced by everyone, essentially, because um, Config Manager drags in updates from from WSUS. Right. And VMM doesn't quite do that, but it's aware of it, and it can. Uh, to be honest, I haven't spent enough time looking at exactly how how the VMM 2012 makes use of um, Windows Update. Um, so I don't want to sort of speculate too much, otherwise I'm going to be way off, um, out of my depth very fast. But certainly um, both VMM and Config Manager are a lot more aware of their um, of, of other servers in their environment. But I guess in answer to what you're saying, um, Virtual Machine Manager doesn't directly hook into Config Manager 2012, no. Um, certainly there are relationships between them which you can force. So if you have a template in uh, Virtual Machine Manager 2012, that's probably going to include um, some sort of hooks into a Content Manager 2012 environment so that when you deploy a new VM with that template, it's, it's automatically being managed. Right, and and it's going to get its updates from uh, SECM and so on. I mean, it, it makes sense to me that one would feed the other fairly well. Exactly, yeah, yeah. It's worth mentioning, actually, that um, System Center Updates Publisher 2011 mm-hmm. also plugs into uh, Config Manager 2012 as well. So the non-Microsoft updates, which are available to SCUP, which are not many, to be honest, but certainly like um, uh, Adobe Flash and Adobe Reader um, right. can be deployed via uh, the update manager in, in both 2007 and 2012. Okay. So what about people bringing in their own laptops? Yeah, laptops is a bit of an interesting one because because obviously it's a richer operating environment. Sure. Um, and so certainly you you would think that you'd be able to get much better management over it. And certainly that is the case. The problem is where do you draw the line between personal and corporate? Right. How much stuff are you going to install on that guy's machine? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, for example, if if I bought my Windows laptop into a corporate environment, um, and they said, sure, we will manage it for you and make sure that it's patched and updated. We just need you to install this config manager agent. That's fine, but I'm basically saying, okay, here's my personal computer. Feel free to inventory it because that's what config manager is all about. Right. Um, that's how it knows what's installed, what needs to, to be installed, and so on. Um, what... And I, I've not seen any company that's gone down that path. They may exist, but I, I'm certainly not, not aware of them, um, simply because the legal boundaries between what's yours and what's the company's is not well-defined enough. Right, yeah. Um, and there are just far too many scenarios where it's going to get very ugly very fast. Um, what I am seeing is an environment in which people... Um, People are allowed to bring in their own machines, but all they're going to have access to is essentially web-based functionality. Yeah, where this gets um, interesting, I mean, I like the idea of not having to join the machine to the domain, mm. but and just providing credentials as necessary, and app V into uh, the machine, so that you're not actually pushing the app onto the machine per se, but you're using app V, and... But you still need an app V agent in order to do that. Yeah, so you are going to have to push some software on the machine. There's just no way around that. Also, Appy works on domain credentials anyway. So that's probably not a solution. Um, 
what might be a solution is remote desktop applications. Right. Um, so essentially because you don't have to join your machine to the domain in order to access those and it's just using whatever um, version of IDP is available on your machine, um, that gives you access to stuff like if you have a particular application that's particularly important to you, um, you can access it over an IDP session. Right. So essentially that's the Citrix approach to things more or less. But yeah, yeah, pretty much. But that's, um, that's functionality which has been available on 2008 and has been improved on, on R2. Um, and the advantage of it is that you only need the RDP protocol, mm-hmm. the latest version of that, which is available via Windows Update. If you go down the Citrix path, um, you at least need some agent software right. installed. So if, you, if you're talking path of least resistance, then uh, remote app applications is, is a good way to go. Well, and also I think remote app is is totally window-based as well, so you don't have to take over the whole machine. It is. So that's, that's going to leave Max out in the cold, unfortunately. Oh, I see. So it doesn't work for it works for a PC, but it won't work for a Mac. Not really, no, no. I don't believe that there's. Um, I stand to be corrected, but I, I'm not aware of um, a remote desktop protocol supporting application that's available for native OS X that will give you stuff like remote app application. Certainly, there is IDP software that you can use on a Mac, definitely. Um, but whether or not it gives you all that extra functionality that you get on Windows, I don't know. So the reality is that what we tend to be seeing is if the company wants to go down an approach of bring your own a laptop in mm-hmm. and you'll be able to access everything you need to do work, it tends to be totally web-based. Right. Um, the browser really is the, the, uh, the richest common language. Which means we really haven't made any progress yet. I mean, it, it feels like this is the direction we're going in, but with 2012, there's no new tooling here. We're still trapped in the browser. Well, yeah, pretty much, unfortunately so. Um, I guess because with Config Manager, like any other product, it, the, the functionality which it offers you, and it's, it's exceptionally rich, does make certain assumptions. One of the assumptions is you own the machine that you're trying to manage. Of course. From there, everything else comes on. If you own the machine, then, of course, it's going to be on the domain, which means, of course, you can install anything that you want, which means, of course, it's licensed. You know, So it's built on all of these assumptions. As soon as you, you bring in a machine and says, okay, we have no legal rights over this machine whatsoever because we don't own it, but we still want to manage it, right. what are our options? Um, uh, Conting manager can sort of take a back seat then. Um, basically, yep, uh, launch a browser and hope that your company has made, has made the necessary investments. Well, and therein lies, you know, how can I manage a machine I don't own? Or where is the line of ownership to management, right? This is a political business discussion. It's not a technical discussion per se, although it's going to be interesting to see how the technology ultimately can help us with all that. Well, what we are going to see, and there's some, some interesting stuff that's coming along in um, Service Pack 1 mm-hmm. of Config Manager 2012. And this is what, this is going to change things quite a bit. I know that there, there are partners who will um, who have written native um, native config manager agents for OSX? I've also heard on the grapevine that they're going to discontinue that. Interesting. Or move to inventory only ones, which basically means that when Config Manager 2012 comes along, there's nothing that you can buy that's going to let you plug your OSX platforms in. Um, 
But in Service Pack 1 of 2012, and this was announced at MMS uh, this year, um, Microsoft are going to be introducing support for Linux, so native management of Linux from Config Manager 2012, so it's an add-on. Um, this is it's mostly tied into their business approach towards um, operating systems in the um, uh, server space. So what they want is for the customers to be able to have a product or a suite of products which b- between them will allow them to manage everything. It doesn't matter um, what OS it's running. Well, we're seeing that at the moment with Virtual Machine Manager 2012, which manages Hyper-V, VMware, and Zen. It's very platform agnostic. It um, abstracts the management layer um, above it all. So the idea is that your VMM administrators need to know nor care what hypervisor is running. Right. And we're starting to see that that coming through slowly into other products, including Config Manager. Um, so when I'm talking native application, I mean, actually, a piece of software installed on the Linux server, which talks back to Config Manager. So we're not talking stuff like... Um, SSHing or FNMP traps or anything along those lines. We're actually talking proper native management. Um, certainly initially, it's going to be stuff like inventorying, uh, software installation, patch management, um, and eventually they're hoping to go down the operating system push as well. So that's, that's, that's a pretty big step for Microsoft to take, but um, it's where they're, they're realizing that their investments need to be. Now, nothing's been said, and so... This is just wild speculation, of course, but given that OS X is a variant of Unix yep. and that Service Pack 1 of um, 2012 is going to support um, is going to support distros like AIX, HPUX, uh, Red Hat, Solaris, and SLES, you would think that it's not such a massive jump for Microsoft to then write a native management app for OS X. You'd think. What needs to change is their desire to manage non-Windows workstations. Service Pack 1 of 2012 doesn't target workstations. It's server OSs only. Um, so whether or not Microsoft thinks that it's worth their while, I don't know. It's where it's going to become interesting. But again, the, the technology would be just about there in order for them to be able to achieve that. Right. Sounds good. And uh, interestingly, we're already talking about the service pack of a product that hasn't shipped yet. Yeah, we are. So they're looking ahead. Um, <laughs> so, so as far as roadmaps, um, as far as roadmaps are concerned, we'd be, we're expecting to see RTM of Config Manager 2012 in the second half of this year. So not that I know, um, but my guess would be September, October. Right. Um, any later than that, and they'll, they'll spin it across to, um, 2012. And, um, most of the service pack functionality is going to come through in um, a consumer technical preview, uh, which I think is this year, and then we should be seeing it a lot more fleshed out by MMS next year. So that's, what, April, I believe? Yep. Um, so, yeah, so yeah, we are talking service pack of a product that's still not out. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think that, that mostly indicates how much Microsoft have got riding on it. Yeah. Um, it's, a, it's pretty much a flagship product in the um, Centennial suite. And um, I think they want to get the, the message out very strongly that they're fully committed and more recently that they're, that they're finally realizing that, um, that not being able to natively manage non-Windows OSs is, is a drawback. Yeah, not an and option. We have to start dealing with that. 
James, thanks so much for talking to us. All right. And we'll talk to you next week on Run As Radio.